Hey, before we begin, a quick reminder that today's episode is made possible in part by the Todd and Stephanie Schnick Foundation. Find us at schnickfoundation.org. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Let's go, y'all. You are listening to The Foundation Podcast. Our goals are to help you build the foundation to live your best life, help solve problems, better serve humanity, and to become a beacon to help inspire change. We connect you with today's leaders, affecting positive and impactful global change. And now, here are your hosts, Todd and Stephanie Schnick. All right, welcome back to the Foundation Podcast. I am your host, Todd Schnick, joined by a good friend of mine. I've had the pleasure of interacting with him, oh gosh, probably over a decade now. He's been on various shows of mine over the years. He's a good friend. I knew that I could count on him today. Welcome, uh, Guy Kawasaki. How are you, my friend? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. So, gosh, uh, what can I say about you? Uh, uh, Chief Evangelist of Canva, best-selling author, speaker, got a great new podcast out there now. So, uh, uh, and I first uh, stumbled upon you many years ago when you were the evangelist for the Apple Macintosh. So we've uh, we have been uh, friends for quite some time. So, um, gosh, so guy, why I uh, invited you to this special edition of the show was uh, as we record this, we're going through some tricky times. We're in, still in the throes of this uh, pandemic. Our economy is in shatters. Forty million plus unemployed. A lot of businesses going bankrupt. Uh, and then, gosh, what's happened since we record or scheduled this conversation? Uh, we've had the horrific death of George Floyd and our nation. A lot of voices rising right now in protest for that tragedy. So it's just a complicated, frustrating time. So I thought I'd, no kidding. Uh, I'd get you on the show. And, and uh, to those that are listening, maybe you could offer some thoughts, some wisdom, some idea. I need that wise guy and to uh, lift some spirits. So I thought you would be a great guy to have on the show to do that. So I guess I don't have a real agenda here. This is more conversational for you and I. Uh, I guess I'll tee it up for you to say uh, out of the gate, with all that's happening these strange days, uh, any preliminary thoughts on uh, what yeah. you should be thinking and doing? I have to tell you, I have never faced a situation like this. So the pandemic is unique. This situation is unique. So we have two unique situations. And in a rare moment of humility, I have to say, it's not clear to me I'm qualified to comment on this. Obviously, I'm not a black person. So I, I don't know you know, firsthand what it's like. When my kids go out in the morning, I don't have this fear that they're going to be pulled over for a traffic stop and shot, right? So I think it's very difficult for someone who's not black to truly understand the kind of terror and fear that black people live under. And American society has to fix this. Everybody has to take responsibility. Now, the danger in saying everybody has to take responsibility is usually when you say something like that, that means nobody has to take responsibility, right? right? But that's not what I mean. Everybody has a piece of this solution. What's your mindset going through this? I mean, everyone has a, has a role to play in this. I agree with you. And as you just alluded to, it's tricky to kind of define that, right? I'm a white man. I have never walked in the shoes of an African-American. I can't even begin to empathize with what that existence is like. There's been some movement. You've seen it with Blackout Tuesday on platforms like Mm -hmm. Instagram, where the goal is quiet down and listen and learn and try to understand these things better. I mean, there's value in that, I suspect, but I I still think there's more we can do. Any other thoughts on that? 
I, I, I really, I don't know what yeah. to say because when the discrimination is so systemic, you know, I, I come from a tech and entrepreneurial background. So my DNA is all about believe in yourself, believe in power, believe that two guys in a garage can create the most valuable company in the world, dent the universe, make the world a better place, you know, all those kind of things, which seems a little inadequate these days, yeah. right? Yeah. Because if the discrimination is so systematic and so systemic, man, you can work as hard as you want and believe as much as you want. And, you know, it's still very difficult. I understand what you're saying, but this idea of dream big and make a dent in the universe, I mean, I, I still think people need to believe in that. And I think what's also become apparent with what we've been observing through these last this last week, uh, certainly with the George Floyd situation, is that there are many people who don't believe that. They don't have the faith that their society has their best interest and is building them up to do big things. And I think that's a role that people like you and I can play well, into doing work to ensure that those who have dreams can fulfill them, yeah? Yeah, I'd like to help. But, you know, we keep coming back to this. It's very difficult for you and I to truly understand what it's like. You know, you saw, I think it was Ellen DeGeneres took a lot of heat, right? So, yeah, yeah. you know, if, you, if you're like an actor or actress and you're, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you should say. I mean, <laughs> I saw some comments like, Ellen, nobody cares what you think about this. <laughs> I mean, right, right. so it could, you could make the same case about me. Maybe well, you need a more articulate but yes, well, uh, <laughs> I mean, what we're proving here, guy, that this is a this is a difficult situation, and it's not easily solvable. But in in heck, you know, I, I'm a big student of history. I, I, there has mm -hmm. been racism prevalent in our world since its existence, and and I fear to say that there will always be racism out there. Yes, and I think to me that's a clarion call to say it's a never-ending battle, but a battle we have to continue to fight. And we yes. have to be mindful towards and aware of and continue to seek to learn how to do something about it. I have to say at one level, and again, you know, with the caveat that I haven't walked in the shoes of other people, from a business perspective, I think one of the greatest challenges in business is the creation of a great team. And it's very hard to create a great team when you can recruit and draft anybody. So why you would discriminate and say, no, I, at an extreme, I only want white Ivy League males in my company. Like, how is that going disadvantage to produce? Disadvantage these days. <laughs> yeah, how, how is that going to produce an ideal, you know, I mean, maybe a fraternity, but <laughs> you've got to draft the best people and the best people may not be white and male. Well, I think you could even make the case that because I think there is a slow evolution, maybe not so slow, of doing more of our work remotely and yes. opening an organization up to connect with people all over the globe to do business. And that that's, I hope people see that as a, as a tremendous and exciting opportunity of, of diversifying well, backgrounds and uh, interests and skills. I mean, it's, yeah. that's exciting, yeah. I like that line of reasoning. I mean, you, you could make the case that, going slightly off topic, there's a line of thought that, when you conduct job interviews, the initial conversations, and maybe the whole thing now, is virtual. Yeah. And I could even make the case that maybe it's virtual with no video. So you don't know yeah. the race 
of the person. You also don't know if he or she is in a wheelchair or any of these kind of things. You don't know if they're, you know, stark ravingly beautiful or not stark ravingly beautiful. But like, like me. what do those things matter, right? I mean, you can either do the job or not, and it should not matter about your race, gender, creed, religion, all that kind of stuff. So maybe one of the positive outcomes of the pandemic is that this kind of thing matters in those kinds of factors, which I maybe superficial in many cases matter less. Yeah, no, I would agree. Maybe you never know. Yeah, no, that's true. You never know what, what you can speak to guy is all those right now that are spooked economically and worried about Mm -hmm. their career track and where it's going and where business is going and, and how we're going to get through this. Uh, The economy is in, some deep throws of some scary stuff right now. And, and there's a lot of uh, pessimism about where this thing can go. And I also guess we should be thinking about these recent graduates who are coming yeah. out of college into this world that is so different than the world I came into when I graduated college. Any comments on what these graduates ought to be thinking about and what should they be doing to prepare <laughs> themselves for what is now, we all probably agree, a very different world to live in? Yes, it's, it's a very different world. None of us have really figured it out. And if you meet someone who says they figured it out, they're lying. Yes. So two of my boys work for high-tech firms. Both of them have been told that you're going to work at home for the rest of the year, minimum. Mm-hmm. So that's an entirely different skill set. Now, as programmers or UX designers, you can't do that. But if you are in many other careers, you simply cannot do that, right? So this may influence people's career decisions. If you can make the case that if you're a junior in college or something like that, and you say, wow, I was going to be a, I don't know what, veterinarian, but now, I don't know. I mean, do, do people bring their pets into a veterinary clinic anymore? Or maybe you have to embrace the fact that now you're going to visit your patients virtually. That's a completely different skill set, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Now, that I'm kind of saying that the pandemic is going to last for a long time. And I think the better perspective is let's hope for the best, but plan for the worst. So, you know, in a perfect world, yes, there would be a vaccine in January and everybody starts getting on planes and going to Las Vegas and having 10,000 person in-person conferences again, right? Right, right. I kind of doubt that that's going to be happening this fall or January. And personally... I don't think I would get in an airplane until there's a vaccine. Because just on a very superficial, I mean, it's not like I'm an epidemiologist or anything, but the thought of getting in a steel tube with 350 people sitting shoulder to shoulder using the same five bathrooms serviced by the same 10 flight attendants, I understand that airplanes have HEPA filters, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's hard for me to wrap my mind around it Let's go for it, man. I mean, you know, uh, um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think this will affect people's career decisions. I think it's going to change the workplace forever. And I don't know how yet. I mean, it may be that companies realize that employees are just as efficient or maybe even more efficient virtual. Maybe not. It may be that people realize that they do enjoy homeschooling. Or they may say, oh, my God, you know, let's give teachers a raise. Let's take all the money we were going to spend on the wall and give them 
the teachers because wow, you know, I truly appreciate how hard it is to teach kids since my kids have not been in school since March or February, right? Right, right. So it, there cannot be a parent in America who does not more fully appreciate teachers now than before. Well, and that's probably a, a benefit of this. It this is pandemic is is an increased realization of how important that person is in, in our families' lives. Guy, I, my wife and I are fast approaching three months in quarantine, and, and yeah. through those three months, I've had a lot of days that were pretty dark, where I was pretty depressed and pretty frustrated, and looking out the window yeah. and seeing my old life no longer existing. But then I've also had days where I realized, you know, one of the comforting things about this whole pandemic is that we've all been going through this. And yes, well. of you watch a hurricane hit a South Florida, and then you go on living your, your normal day. Right. Uh, we're all doing this, and, and there's some comfort in that. But one of the things you've said and that, that we've said several times in this very conversation is that we just don't know. And yeah. I think that affords tremendous opportunity, right? I mean, can you speak to this idea of look at the situation as, as dark as it is, as desperate as uncertain and unknowing where it's going, but that environment is ripe for some pretty interesting innovation and new ideas and yes. new opportunities and things, right? I mean, I think people yes. need to realize this is a great opportunity to maybe rethink your entire approach to how you do business, how you approach your family, how you approach your community. Um, That is exciting though, because there's a, we can almost reshape this thing the way we want it. Yeah. Well, this, you know, this is the concept of making lemonade out of lemons. Right. But again, I have to somewhat follow my sword and issue a caveat that I am fortunate in the sense that I don't know if the statistic is true, but the statistic is that half of Americans have like $500 in the bank. Right. Well, I'm not in that half, so you know I can still order with Instacart. I can do these kind of things. But if half of Americans can't do that, you know, it's easy for me to say, oh, "Let's make lemonade out of lemons." Yeah, I mean, yeah, easy for yeah. you to say, guy. I mean, no, you know, point. you're not worried about rent and groceries. But with that caveat, I think this is a time where we have the opportunity to learn no, new skills. And in fact, it's probably forced on us to learn new skills, right? Just yeah. using Zoom well is a new skill. It, you know, before, one of the things you learned, well, to date myself, one of the things I learned in high school was how to type. Literally, I took a typing class, right? Too. So now, maybe the new typing class is, you know, how to use Zoom or how to use Microsoft Teams or Google Meetings or you know, whatever it is. But that's a skill. It's not... Arguably, coming across well in Zoom is just as valuable now as it was to be able to type a paper in the 1970s. So these are new skills we have to embrace. And I think the question that I would like people to consider, if they are fortunate enough to be able to think about post-pandemic, and you know they're not just struggling to survive day to day, a very good framework is to ask yourself the question, Therefore, what? And by that, I mean, knowing what you know, seeing what you're seeing, therefore, what should you do to improve your professional life, to improve your product, your service? What what do you see as the opportunity because of online learning, pandemic, lack of face-to-face meetings, the gig economy, you know, 
you don't go to Safeway on the way home from work to buy some broccoli. Now you have to plan once a week with Instacart. You know, there's all kinds of things. So knowing or seeing what you're seeing, what makes sense for the future? And, and I'm going to give you a semi-facetious example, but an example nonetheless. So there's a farm in Half Moon Bay. It's called Sweet Farm. And I think they looked at it and they said, you know, there's like millions of Zoom meetings every day. And pretty much they're all boring and no one's looking forward to them at all. And you know, there's no interest in it. So this farm offers something called goat to meeting. Not goat to meeting, goat to meeting. So believe it or not, for about 65 or 75 bucks, you can schedule an appearance of a goat or a llama or an animal in your Zoom meeting. And probably your listeners are shaking their heads saying, God, you completely freaking lost your mind. But that's an example of, you know, everybody's doing Zoom meetings, they're all boring, therefore what? No, why don't we offer goat to meeting? Um, now, See, I'm not telling you that's the next apple, but it's that kind of thing. A more positive example, you know, let's suppose that 15 years ago you said, well, I can see the future. I mean, everybody's going to have a phone. Those phones are going to have cameras, and they're going to be connected by the Internet. Therefore, what? Therefore, we start Instagram. So it's that kind of thinking. Yep, love it. And that's the mindset people have to be going through this strange days with. I suspect our sense of community, and I'm talking about because of the pandemic and because of what's happening with George Floyd, our sense of community is going to change, and our need for community has never been greater we're going to be looking at that a little differently now. Any thoughts and comments on community? Yeah, you know, I don't know if you, you make the case that community is going to be worse or better. You could make the case, to take the half-full perspective, the pandemic doesn't care if you're male, female, old, young. I mean, you know, obviously there's some differences in the threat. But, you know, the virus is not out there saying, I'm looking for liberal women to infect, Right. So that you would think would bring us all together, that if you look at the countries where the pandemic is under control, basically the entire country bit the bullet, right? And take an extreme like New Zealand. Now I understand New Zealand has smaller population, isolated island, blah, blah, blah. But I think basically the whole country, because of its leadership, bit the bullet and said, okay, cutting it off, we're going to just, you know, if, if all of America really did really strict things for about six weeks, we could stop this pandemic, right? Right. But so you would think that when a pandemic is this threatening, the country could come together. But instead, wearing a mask is now a political act. If you wear a mask, you're one kind of person. If you don't wear a mask, you're another kind of person. If you social distance, you're one kind of person. If you don't social distance, you're another kind of person. Well, I don't think the virus really cares. And so that's the argument where it's half empty. I will tell you, though, the, for me, I have learned a few things in this pandemic that maybe I never would have ever learned, you know, going along in my clueless bubble before. <laughs> I have much greater appreciation for what, what, for example, for what teachers do. Um, the service economy seems much more valuable than I thought, yes. you know, yes. and... Like literally, you say you've been sheltering in place for three months. I have not been in a market in three months. Like I, I did not even have an Instacart account three months ago. And now, thank God for Instacart. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a whole new world. 
Yeah. Any other key learnings for Guy Kawasaki going through this uh, these tumultuous times? Uh, um, well, what's, what's one thing uh, that you learned that you wish others would uh, recognize as well? You know, what I learned is I love to clean. <laughs> I've got on this cleaning fixation. My wife can hardly believe it. <laughs> I would be I would be vacuuming and mopping the floor every night, and I, <laughs> I, I see great satisfaction. And I've, I've uh, you know, again, this is you know, some people are going to look at this or hear this and react like, "God, you are you have such a one tenth of one percent problem." You know, your your idea of sacrifice is mopping your floor, but I think in the spirit of making lemonade out of lemons, you know. In this kind of bad situation, generally, you know, and it's easy for me to say, so there's a lot of caveats, right? But, boy, I mean, this is an opportunity to learn. And, you know, I'm not saying you'd say, okay, thank God for the pandemic. You know, now I have an opportunity to learn. That's not what I'm saying. But given the pandemic, there are things we can learn for a post-pandemic world. Yep. Yep. Good stuff. All right. Well, Guy, again, I... I do appreciate you carving out a few minutes to join us. Appreciate uh, your thoughts and your insights. Uh, it's, and as I said, it's always good to connect with you. And right. I appreciate uh, you joining us. Uh, before I let you go, should anyone need to connect with you and learn more about your work, where do they go? Well, the place where they can see most of what I'm doing in terms of my eyeballs and attention is my podcast. So mm-hmm. this is remarkablepeople.com, and I interview remarkable people. Like truly remarkable people like Jane Goodall, Margaret Atwood, Stephen Wolfram, Andrew Yang, Christy Yamaguchi. Christy Yamaguchi. Some amazing people. Roy Yamaguchi. So I have truly remarkable people. The interviews are about them, not me. So if you listen to it, I'm about 5%. They're about 95%. So this is not two peers talking at a fireside chat. This is me trying to get as much as I can out of them. So that... And if you want to see the kind of things that I, I find interesting and all that, follow my LinkedIn profile. But I will tell you, my LinkedIn profile is very, very supportive of science and immigration and women's rights and all that kind of stuff. So if you are, are anti that kind of, and vaccination, so if you're anti that kind of stuff, let me save you some aggravation. Don't follow me on LinkedIn. Understood. Guy Kawasaki, <laughs> speaker, author, podcaster, uh, chief evangelist of Canada. My friend, again, take Thank some time you. to join. Be safe. Right, Be healthy. As well. All right. It's all the time we have for today. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Uh, on behalf of my guest, Guy Kawasaki, I am Todd Nick. We'll see you soon on The Foundation Podcast. The Foundation Podcast is produced by Intrepid Media and is made possible in part by the Todd and Stephanie Schnick Foundation. Learn more by visiting schnickfoundation.org. And thank you for listening. Now, get out there and do some good, and we'll see you next time. 